Hey guys, welcome to Sermon Cuts, our weekly podcast where we continue the conversation from our midweek service and also start new ones. It's our hope to speak encouragement and give practical advice in light of biblical truth towards what focusing and following Jesus looks like. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so glad that you're here. Now, let's get to the cut. Well, welcome back, guys, to Sermon Cut. So I'm here with Ben and Colin again, if you guys want to say hi. Hello. What's up, guys? So today we're going to be going over the midweek services message and what Colin was talking about. And we were in John 5 talking about the Bethesda pool and the crippled man and how he was dependent on others to get him to the pool and how we can learn from this story and how we can determine if we're dependent on Jesus and how we can be made whole in that aspect. And so we're just going to go through some questions and some conversation and uh, see what comes of it. So Colin, the message that you gave yesterday about uh, being dependent on Jesus and being made whole, um, what do you have to say about that? (laughs) So what do you have to say about that? Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. I feel like, um, I mean, before I even get into the message, it's kind of funny. Like it's, I mean, it's only been a few hours since I spoke the message, but it's after I've done it, it's kind of hard to like, you know, remember. Uh, but anyway, um, I know what I wanted to talk about, but it's just, it's kind of funny how you like do it and then just put it out of your memory is a funny thing. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, the point of what we were talking about was, you know, John five, uh, Jesus comes to the man who's on the floor seeking healing, uh, in the pool of Bethesda. And Jesus asks him the question, do you want to be healed? And the question he's really asking him is, do you want to be made whole? And so we, we focused on this idea that, you know, to be made whole is to be, uh, Jesus is the only one that can, um, make us, um, whole and heal us. And, um, and we really uh, uh, look for other places to be made whole, but Jesus is the only one that can. And, uh, and in the story, um, we talked about how the man thought that to be healed, to be made whole was to, be, was to get put in this pool um, where he would be healed. And then Jesus shows him with no faith, nothing else that the man did. Jesus just heals him and so he just says, get up and walk, uh, which is a cool thing because it's like he, the guy didn't earn it. It was just grace um, and mercy. And then right after this, uh, the Jews like come to him and they start talking about the Sabbath. And so it's like this it's like this pairing of showing two people who like relied on other things to make them whole, like the Jews relied on. Um, the law and following it perfectly. And Jesus used this this picture of healing to show that he's the only one that can bring wholeness and healing. So I wasn't there for the message, but but you see so what you're saying is this, this man who couldn't, he literally couldn't stand up uh, to get in a pool is being compared to the Pharisees who are doing everything they can to prove that they're holy and that they're worthy of God's yeah. approval and love and acceptance. And he's he's sort of, you know, painting this crazy picture of, uh, this this guy who has nothing to contribute, not even an ounce of faith, is the one that Jesus meets with mercy and grace. Is that kind of what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. And it's well, it's a kind of a crazy thing that you think about, you know, because like he like the guy didn't even know Jesus. Like he he saw someone walk up to him and ask him, "Do you want to be healed?" And it does like he, later on the the uh, Jews ask him like who was the guy that healed you and he says I don't know he walked away before I could 
ask right like he's he <laughs> like he walked away before i could tell who he was and figure out who he was and jesus later sees him in the temple uh and and says like and he's excited that he's well and he gives him the instruction of sin no more but but like so he eventually figures it out that it was jesus but there was no like precursor like do these like prerequisites before you can be healed it was just healing comes through jesus yeah that's good you know, one of the things that I think is kind of cool about the story, and this is probably not the direction, David, you were going to take us, but, uh, but you know, the thing that's interesting, it says here in the story in verse 5, it says that he was there for 38 years, uh, but there's something really, like, um, unique about a dude walking up to uh, a paralyzed guy. Like, he probably didn't have very much social interaction. Nobody's helping him get in the pool. He's pretty much alone. So just Jesus, Jesus' ordinary interaction of having a conversation with him it is enough to to sort of shake him out of his normal rhythm of life and i think that's cool because jesus models something for us as believers that's not supernatural that that really like just engaging people in a way that's loving and and sees people mm-hmm. where they're at is is pretty transformative um and, uh, and it wasn't like it wasn't jesus reputation it wasn't his like um anything impressive that he he did that sort of started this supernatural experience it was just a conversation i love that so that's super good yeah so the whole main idea for uh, colin's message um was that we must be dependent on the person of jesus and so colin went through three symptoms um, that determine whether or not we are dependent on Jesus in our daily lives. And so the first symptom is worry. And the second symptom, impatience. And the third was attention. And so, Colin, I wanted to ask a few questions about that first symptom, worry. Worry is a symptom of control. So how, as a believer, can I let Jesus take control over my situations? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> this is also goes for you too, Ben. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet. Probably one that, you know, still like figuring out. And I think that's part of walking with Jesus. But so the, the idea of the symptoms, right, was that like a symptom gives us um, uh, a clue to like that there's something off, there's something wrong. And so when we see the symptom of worry, when, when we start to like feel overwhelmed with worry, we, uh, the point of it was that we, uh, we can see that the things we're worrying about are things that we, we might be trying to take control of. Um, we might be trying to hold on to, um, you know, the Pharisees were, were trying to take control of like their salvation and their, um, um, being made whole by following the law. And, uh, and really that just causes worry for us because we're constantly worrying about, well, am I following the Sabbath correctly? Am I following the law correctly? Um, so the question was, how do we, uh, right? Like how do we, um, give Jesus our control? Honestly, that's not really an easy question to answer. So I don't know if you have a, have a thought, Ben, right off the bat. Yeah. It's interesting because like the, the paralyzed guy, he he doesn't really give Jesus control. He just recognizes he doesn't have any, right? He's like, I've been trying to get in this pool for 38 years. Yeah. <laughs> nobody's helping me. Yeah. And uh, the, somebody keeps getting in there ahead of me. And uh, and so, like, the, the thing that's really different, different between the paralyzed guy and the Pharisees is they, they think that they are in control of their own destiny. And uh, I think a big a big problem with with us in our culture today is we think we have way more control than we do, 
Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Today has enough worries of its own. And, and basically what he's saying is you, you can't, you can't control your future, so don't try. Just entrust God with it. And so I think it has less to do with what we're doing and how we're thinking. The cool thing for people who are paralyzed is they uh, they don't have the luxury of thinking that they're in control. So it's sort of it's kind of auto humble. Uh, you know, it's like a <laughs> like a, I don't know like a spiritual video game setting. <laughs> uh, but uh, but most of us yeah most of us don't get that that auto humble, and so we think that. That we have control over, you know, what job we're going to get. We we think we have control over who our friends are going to be a year from now. We think we have control over, you know, whether or not we're going to be healthy or not. And um, and the reality is, is that that those things can change in a moment, and we could theoretically do nothing wrong uh, to find ourselves in that situation. And uh, and that's a really hard spot to be uh, unless uh, you found your, yourself in the presence of Jesus, because. Like you said, he's the one who can heal us right. and make, can make us whole. Yeah, and uh, and that's what I think it looks like to to deal with worries, to to give God our future and trust Him with it, to know that He's with us. And you, you were talking in Matthew six, right, when Jesus talks about worry and anxiety, and you you mentioned like, don't worry about tomorrow. Um, tomorrow will worry about itself. And Jesus says, don't worry about your life or what you'll eat or drink or your body. That kind of sounds like a crazy idea, right? Like, how could we not worry about what we're going to eat and just walk through? Like, that just sounds stupid. Like, that just sounds like we're being naive and dumb. Yeah. Uh, but but I think you you're on, you know you got the idea that it's it's just it's a mindset, right? Like so I think of like uh you know I for a long time what the thing that I tried to control for a long time was my future. Um for a long time like it was like in high school, where am I going to go to college? Uh what job am I going to have? Like what am I going to do? And literally in high school, I if you would have told me I was going to be a pastor, I would have told you you're stupid and you're crazy because I was like because <laughs> it was like th- there's no way I'm going to talk in front of people. Like I hate <laughs> that um and and uh so i went into college you know being gonna be a teacher which was like a step in its own like i was like there's no way um in that but anyway so like it uh, but i couldn't control my own future and uh and and there was a lot of worry in high school of like what am i gonna do what college am i gonna go to who like who am i gonna marry right like all of those things and and realizing that when I when I just rest in Jesus, that He doesn't change, that His purposes don't change, His purposes for me of loving God and loving others, that no matter where I am, no matter what school I'm at, no matter what uh, job I'm in, no matter like what future I have, those things don't change. So it's it's that mindset of like Jesus, I can trust you. That you're gonna be the one that's gonna make me whole. The irony is is that um, when when Jesus led you to become a pastor to students, that was something that you didn't expect uh that you wouldn't have chosen for yourself but really has led to more fulfillment and more wholeness because you're doing the thing that god has called you to do and our church has been incredibly blessed to have you in this role and i mean our students love you and very uh, blessed (laughs) and uh and so uh but like if you had continued to to fight god's direction yeah uh, for your life, uh, and, you know, pursued, uh, you know, the noble career of teaching, uh, not only would you be missing out, but we would be missing out as a church because this is where God has you. And so talking about wholeness, like the church becomes more whole as we give God control, not just our own personal lives. So, yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah. 
So I just say, so what it, maybe what it means to like let go or let Jesus control is is just to be open, right? Like not to not to hold our future, not to hold our plans, not to hold like like that doesn't mean we can't plan or we can't figure out what we're gonna eat or we can't fi- right. But but that we hold those things with an open hand. That's what it looks like to not control and and like my future, like eventually I had to get to a spot where I held it with an open hand. I, like it took some time and me like wrestling but like you said when i did man it just led to more wholeness and fulfillment Mm, yeah and so on that note of wholeness uh, i love that what you're saying um the wholeheartedness and like the wholeness of being fully dependent on something like that's an act of worship that we can you know posture our hearts towards so my my uh follow-up question for that wholeheartedness is like what does wholehearted worship look like in the day-to-day and like the the mundane or in the busy, like what, how can I as a person and a follower of Christ, like posture my heart towards what Jesus is doing right now? I have a few things, but Ben, is there anything that comes to mind? I, I want to hear what you have to okay. say. Well, I just, I had <laughs> something from last night that I shared that, you know, I think about like when I, when I think of wholehearted worship, um, and again, I, I shared this a little bit last night, you and I think about wholehearted worship, what brings me to a place of wholehearted worship is recognizing God's holiness, God's goodness, and my not so goodness, God's holiness and my unholiness. You know, I mentioned last night, there's story after story in the Bible. We can talk about Isaiah in Isaiah six, where he comes to, uh, he has this vision of like the throne room of God and he's, and he sees God's holiness and he hears the angel saying, holy, holy, holy. Um, and they're just saying God is so holy, so holiest above anything and everything. And and Isaiah f- like ha- can't help but just fall to his knees and say, "Woe is me! Like I'm I'm a sinner. Like when I see God's holiness, I can't help but see my sinfulness. And so there's nothing else that I can do but worship. There's nothing else that I can do but say, God, you are holy. And so I thank you, God, that you love me enough that you are so holy and I'm so not that you would love me enough to send your son Jesus." Jesus, um, so that we may have a relationship with you. And so the, what, what brings me to a place of wholehearted worship is that, just saying, recognizing God's holiness um, and my brokenness. And like, I think recognizing our own brokenness is, is the hard part in that sometimes. Sometimes we like to say, well, I'm doing all right. Um, I'm, I don't, I'm, I haven't murdered anybody today, right? Like, uh, <laughs> I'm thankful, which is good. Uh, but you know, like we think of the big things, but, but man, we don't think about the fact that we're selfish people. Like we sin and we, uh, just in every like thought and every act, like, man, we're sinful people and we need Jesus. Um, and so that brings me to a place of, of worship where I need Jesus. It was an interesting, I mean, the question's interesting, but the point was interesting to me also. I, in fact, I was kind of surprised that worship was one of your points for this passage. I was like, where is it? I don't know. And then, and then as I was looking at it, you know, this takes place on the Sabbath, which is uh, a day of rest. Uh, and we talked about that last week, uh, but it's also a, de- a day of worship. And you think about, you know, what the Sabbath is supposed to make us remember. God creates uh, the whole the whole earth and saw that it was good. And on the seventh day, he rested and he rested from his work and appreciated it. Right? He rested in the goodness of what he created and and sort of modeled for us to do the same. And so, uh, I mean, worship in in some regards is this um, opportunity to rest in the goodness of God, or to rest in the presence of God, and 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 it's juxtaposed, like you said, or compared with the Pharisees who. Uh, instead of resting, they're, they're focusing on rule. 
and, and they're like, you can't, you can't, wa- you can't like heal people on the Sabbath. You can't be doing stuff on this. Like the rule is you don't do anything. And they're so focused on the rule that they can't rest. And, uh, and I think that's like really one of the cool, the cool things about following the Lord is, is that worship is really uh, resting in who God is. And, uh, and that's what trust is. It's re- resting in the fact that he's in control and he has a plan. And, and we, uh, we actually can't derail God's plan ultimately for uh, the world. Uh, we can just decide whether or not we want to be a part of it. Theoretically, this guy who's on the mat could have, you know, ignored Jesus and what he was saying to him. Uh, and the Pharisees do, right? They're like, eh, we're going to try and trap him and trick him. And, and, uh, and they miss out because they're so focused on doing what's, what's right instead of resting in God's presence. And when you rest in God's presence, you ultimately end up doing what's right. And, uh, and so I think that, that worship is really, it really starts with like the presence of God, like you were talking about with Isaiah, where he's like, whoa, this is amazing. You're so cool. And uh, anyway, you guys get what I'm saying, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. What I'm hearing is like, man, the presence of God is always with us and it's always there, but it is up to us to make that choice to come into the presence of God, to accept, you know, our faults and our brokenness, to accept that we're not perfect, that, yeah, I am selfish or yes, this, this incident has like caused me to be impatient or I'm full of worry and I'm at a lack of control. Like it's like, what you were saying, Colin, an acceptance of our uh, impurity and our brokenness and also the acceptance of his holiness. And so that choice that you make is like, that's where it starts. I, that's what I'm hearing. And I think that's really cool. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very cool to know that God is always with us and we can enter into to that rest. And um, I love it. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I think this will be coming to our a final question because uh, it's, a, it's a big, broad question. And so look out, um, look out. But like, um, man, the whole dependence on Jesus and the, what that looks like, um, just the whole worship and uh, choosing to worship and choosing to be in his presence. Now, we answered kind of like how to, what does wholehearted worship look like? Well, then when we're in that zone and we're understanding like where we are as a person and we're being humbled by God's grace, like how can we as fellow believers, like encourage others? How can we like approach someone that we know lovingly who has these symptoms of worry, who has these symptoms of seeking attention or impatience and of selfishness? Like how can I lovingly approach someone and bring rest to their situation? Though I don't have that power to give the rest, but to point them to the source of that true love and true rest, like how can I lovingly do that? That's a great question. You know, it, and it's, it's really interesting. Like when you're looking at the story, the man, the man who is dependent on Jesus uh, doesn't really do anything. He's just been humbled by life. Like his situation's really, really poor. And, and it reminds me, we were talking with some of the, the college crew on Sunday about the rich young ruler. And Jesus says, uh, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than uh, a rich person to enter the kingdom. And, and I think part of the reason he says that is because when we have everything that we need, or when we think we have everything when we need, when when we're not struggling, it's hard to really be dependent on anybody else. You're like, you know, I'm good. I'm figuring this out on my own. 
And, uh, and I think one of the, the really powerful things that we can do as Christians is to be honest about the ways that we're dependent on God, especially when we, we do have things together, you know, where it's like, uh, my life's not off the rails. I'm not, I'm not broke. I'm not crip, like I'm not crippled. Uh, but, uh, but I am, I am dependent on God to, to still the storm of, of anger towards somebody who's wronged me, or I mean, I'm dependent on God, uh, to, um, for direction in this season where it's like, I don't, I don't know how to make this, this ministry work. I don't know how to make this relationship work when we can't sit face to face together. And there's this real sense of like, I don't know what I'm doing, uh, kind of all the time. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's just not obvious because I'm not, my life is not, um, falling apart in the ways that were, uh, in, in the ways that this, you know, this paralyzed guy had his life kind of derailed and fallen apart. And so, but being able to be honest and vulnerable and, and to share that, that man, I'm dependent on Jesus and he's meeting me in these ways. Yeah. I think it makes people hungry for that Yeah, because we, we all, we all have those things beneath the surface. And I think mm-hmm. the Pharisees did too. Right. Right. But the thing with the Pharisees, I think that the point where you're getting at is the thing with the Pharisees is they, um, they weren't willing to recognize where they needed Jesus. Um, and so like when we're talking to other people, like uh, I like what you're sharing, Ben, like we, what we can do is share the ways that we're dependent on Jesus. Like, you know, like Ben is saying, and, and we can't make other people, um, like come to that place of dependence. We can just share how we are and, um, and help them recognize that like, this is what you need to, um, you know, like we, we can't, again, we can't force them to be like, no, like you're wrong. You need Jesus. Um, if they're not willing to and ready to like um, let go of that thing they're holding on to, the the Pharisees clearly weren't um, weren't willing to do that. And so I couldn't go up to one of them and say, "No, you're you're wrong. Like I'm following Jesus. I can carry my mat on the Sabbath if I want to, yeah. <laughs> right?" Like then they maybe would have put me on the cross with Jesus. But you get the point. Like um, we just we, we can we can share why we're dependent, and then you know that would hopefully bring them to a place of, like you said, recognizing their need for it. I don't know if you, you've ever noticed this in the Bible, but whenever Jesus does a miracle, the Pharisees get mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, uh, I think that the reason, I mean, and this is a really good lesson for us, is that uh, a lot of them is telling people how God is working in your life actually is discouraging to them because they recognize that he's not doing the same thing in their life. And, uh, and, and I think it infuriated them to see this guy pick up his mat and walk because what they wanted more than anything was for God to bless them, for God, for God to speak to them. In fact, that's, that's what they've sort of organized their whole life around. Their goal is to lead God's people back into God's presence. The problem is, is they thought that they had to do it, that they had to take control, uh, and, um, and it was a real barrier for them. And that was, that was actually the thing that they couldn't, that they couldn't let go of or they couldn't acknowledge was that they really were dependent on God showing up and saving them because all of their many righteous deeds weren't enough. And I think that, um, that's a really hard chain to break. But, uh, but I I think that what you're saying is so true that it's sometimes more valuable to point at, to point at, uh, yourself and your own deficiencies than, uh, to tell someone that they're deficient. Totally. Yeah. Well, like you said that, you know, 
it's hard for uh, someone to hear the way God is working in your life because they want that for themselves, which I think is so true and like can, you know, make people upset or whatever, like it would the Pharisees. But um, so so the way we share is important. We share humbly and we share that like, no, this is about God. Like this isn't about like what God's doing for for me. This is what God is doing. This is God. This is not me. Yeah. Um, and we share the fact that, like you said, my deficiencies, like my brokenness, uh, and God is still working. Um, so we share with, with humility because I think we can get caught up in like, even in those conversations, there's subtle ways that we can get caught up in. I'm, I'm better than you. Like we can get caught up in God is working in my life. So that means I'm better than you, but that's not, that's not the truth. And so we just have to be careful in those, like, um, in those conversations of recognizing that we have to be humble and we still need Jesus in that conversation. Yeah. No, I mean, the irony of the story is that this guy's for 38 years, he's been on a mat. Uh, so that's probably his whole life. Uh, and um, so for 38 years, he's been paralyzed. Uh, but the Pharisees who are probably in their uh, mid to late 30s uh, are, they've also been spiritually paralyzed their whole life, unable to approach God, unable to feel worthy. And it's just this, this, uh, the gospel is just a reminder to us that uh, we're all in need of God's help and his goodness and his grace. And uh, it's just way easier to see the physical, the physical paralysis than it is the spiritual paralysis. But humility is acknowledging that we all are in need of, of God's, God's grace. And, uh, and it's about him, like you said. So it's uh, it's an amazing thing. Yeah. I love what you guys are saying that it's not about us, but ultimately it's about him. So, well, that brings our time to a close. Thank you guys for continuing the conversation. So every Tuesday night at 7 p.m., we're going to be here at North Point having our student services. And so anytime you have a question, feel free to ask or write it down and then send it to us on uh, Instagram or Facebook on our social media page, even text Colin or me or Ben. And like, we will be happy, more than happy to answer any questions and to just continue that conversation, bring encouraging truth that's uh, under the light of the Bible. And so, yeah, that's, that's the conclusion for episode two. So thank you guys for listening and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Adios.